Hello, and welcome back to Bubbles. I'm your host, Lacey. Today, we will be talking to Jeff as he goes into detail about his experience in prison. All right, welcome back. And this I'm talking to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lacey. <laughs> Don't giggle at me. Okay, so let's talk about what brought you into this conversation. And I mean, you put out a feeler on Facebook. Asking that people if not, they've been to jail. Yes, and <laughs> leading, into that, leading into that question of what took you to jail. Uh, I had a custody issue. I've never been in like any trouble. So like no no petty thefts, no drug charges, no nothing, anything. And I had a, a custody issue. Um, and basically it was just, that was the easiest way out. Was like an assault family violence charge. So like, yeah. <laughs> So what, what, from my understanding, you went a couple of times. So right. I've been back. Well, not back. I went to jail, did probation, then went to prison and then got out and then have been to county jail again for a DWI All after right. that. So yeah, I'm frequent flying by now. <laughs> well, that's not, let's it's stop not doing that. Yeah, yeah no, let's stop doing over. that. <laughs> so what was it like when the judge sentenced you? When you found out that you were actually going to prison, prison. Right. So at the beginning of everything, um, a lot of things that they don't tell you, I don't, I don't know like how specific we want to be on my case, but like a lot of things they don't tell you about like affidavits and non-prosecution and stuff like that mean literally nothing to a lot of counties like Dallas County. You can sign an affidavit and non-prosecution and your case will get thrown out. But Denton and Collin County, the smaller counties that are in it for more of the money and don't have the volume of people that are getting arrested for actual crimes, they are going to stick to that and you're going to have to go to trial. She's going to have to go to trial and either testify for you on your behalf or whatnot, or she's going to have to not be there or move out of state and they're not able to get a hold of her or whatever for them to drop charges. So basically you're stuck with it until you like fight it all the way to the end in those smaller counties. But as far as that goes, I, I signed for probation. I did deferred probation, which, again, they tell you deferred probation. If you finish it, then you can be taken off your record and you will have no record, which is a lie. Because in Texas, at least, family violence, even if you have a misdemeanor charge, not a felony charge, which I had a felony because they claimed that I put my hand over her mouth, which was impeding breath, circulation, Whatever. So, like, if you put a hand over a mouth, pinch somebody's nose, put a hand around their throat, usually it's more of like choking somebody around their throat or put them in a headlock. But apparently if you impede any type of airway, so a hand over the mouth works too. But um, even a misdemeanor will exclude you from ever owning a firearm, and it cannot get taken off of your record if there is a finding of family violence. They can arrest you for a family violence, like a misdemeanor, and then they can change it to a simple assault, which is still a class A, but it would be like a bar fight. Hmm. So like they, they have the power to go from family violence and then either up it based on the circumstances and say that, oh, well, you put your hand over her mouth or something like that, so now we're going to make it a felony versus changing it to the same level, class A, just regular assault, down to a class C ticket of unwanted touch which sounds like a whole nother can of worms, but that it's sounds not. different, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, not like, it's not like one of those charges, but it's not like a sexual charge. It's just apparently an unwanted touch. But the whole thing about an assault is 
basically what classifies it is that there was some type of physical altercation, touching, that resulted in someone feeling pain. So when a cop usually comes up, they say, did you feel any pain? Did he hurt you? Did he touch you? Did he hit you? Did he kick you? Did he do this, that, and the other, or whatever? And she says, well, yeah, he, he grabbed for a wallet, or he did this, or my, his car keys, or whatever, and we went for him at the same time, and he touched me, and he pushed my hand away. Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, what was your pain level? Well, it's a trap, because zero is the correct answer for nobody to leave in handcuffs. But they tell you on a pain level of 1 to 10, what was your pain level? So if you say, well, it didn't even hurt, I guess like a 1, I don't know, that's, he's getting arrested, she's getting arrested, whoever's getting arrested, because there's still a finding of pain. So it's kind of a trap. That's why they say, like, you know, on a lot of things, don't talk to the cops, because they're just there to make a case against you, which is what they're there to do. But it's, it's kind of a setup, so it's, I don't know. I guess I just don't trust cops as far as like <laughs> well, asking mean, questions like that. If I was you, I, wouldn't trust, to I wouldn't trust him either. But I took probation. Sorry, sidetrack. I took probation, got five years probation, or signed up for five years deferred, um, pled out, did two and a half years with no issues, paid all my fines and fees, did all my uh, community service stuff up to date. All that was up to date. We had gotten back together. That was the whole reason that I signed for that is because we had gotten back together um, months and months before I signed for it, she was pregnant with our kid or with our son. So everything was fine. She was like seven, eight months pregnant. Didn't want to have to go through trial and put her through that kid through that. So I was like, let me just sign for this. I've, I've had no issues with the law. So I'll sign for probation and we'll be good. Well, two and a half years later, we break up and here we are back again. Easiest thing to do is to call and say that he came over to my house. He wasn't supposed to I have a protective order. Uh, he touched me, he hit me, he said the other, whatever, and there's no evidence at all of anything. That call was made, or actually she went into the police department on a Wednesday, and I had dropped him back off. I was living in Oklahoma at the time, but I had dropped him back off on Sunday for my weekend. So it was like three days later. No marks, no nothing. She just went to the police station and was like, hey, he dropped him off at the house, and he was not supposed to be at the house, and we got into an argument, and he pushed me. Uh... The, we broke up and went to custody court and so then she claimed another assault on Wednesday or whatever after I dropped him off on Sunday also claimed that I violated a protective order because that was in place I was supposed to go to her house but we had been communicating and picking up and dropping off not at the police station like we were supposed to because I didn't live in Texas anymore um, but anyways got arrested for that and then went to court that was a violation of my probation and even though I had all the rest of that stuff that charge was basically what the judge sentenced me off of. She said that I had broke into her car too, which was thrown out. So I thought it was three strikes. Like if you if you're on probation, no, it's one. If you can just one, they go. They yeah. If you literally on probation, you're telling them it's the same as like parole. When you get paroled out of prison, you sign a piece of paper that's basically telling them that you're not going to break any laws, that you're not going to get arrested for anything, that you're not going to have a speeding ticket, that you're not going to jaywalk. You're not going to do anything because if you pee dirty one time, you have bad UA, they can revoke you. If you don't go to a meeting that you're supposed to, they can revoke you. If you don't pay them monthly and you're in arrears, they can revoke you. If you aren't done with your community service, like I hadn't had all my community service done, but I was on five years probation. I had two and a half years. I had like 260 hours. I had like 30 hours left. But it wasn't fully completed. So at the time, they could... 
basically prorate it, I guess. But even though it wasn't all done, I should have had it done. The judge said within the first two years. So I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how that proration works. Like it's prorated <laughs> in the first two years, I'm supposed to have it done, but then the last three years, I'm not having to do anything, I guess, except pay them. It's a, it's a racket. Yes. It is so that you pay them while you're on probation, and then you have a violation. Then they keep you in county. And they keep you in county until you go to your violation report, meeting, scheduling, whatever, in front of the judge, which you're probably going to sit for at least 30, 60, 90 days until they get you into court. And each day that you're in their county, they make, I think the figure's $300 or $350 or some shit like that. So they're making money off you while you're sitting there. Plus, they know where you're at. Yeah. Because you, you can't get a bond on a probation violation most <laughs> of the time. So you're there. And they're making money off of you. And then they say, okay, well... Now that you've done a little more time in here, maybe next time you won't mess up, kick rocks. But they don't have to do that. And like the judge told me, he said, and again, it's the type of charge it is and stuff like that. I mean, if I had an assault with a deadly weapon because I had pulled a gun on somebody or shot them or stabbed them and got on probation for it because I'd never been in trouble before and I was out there pulling guns on people, shooting and stabbing people, I can understand why they would try and send me straight to prison because you're doing the same thing again. And that's kind of how they look at the family violence thing because, like the judge said, there's a lot of crazy people in the world. And somebody had just actually gotten a charge, bonded out on it, and then killed his girlfriend in McKinney. So he cited that case to me and was like, you remember seeing on the news a couple weeks ago while you were in here that this guy bonded out on a family violence and he went to his wife's, girlfriend's, whatever, daycare, waited for her to get off work, took their kid and killed her, right? Oh my goodness. We don't want that People to happen are crazy. again. So here you go. And he gave me the max because they wanted me to sign for five years, which prior they had dropped it down to two years, which is a minimum. And I was like, I'm not trying to go to prison because my kid's about to be born. So, and I didn't want a felony on my record. So I took the five years deferred. Then, because I had a squeaky clean, great probation, I thought, you know what? If y'all aren't going to put me back on probation, which I don't understand because I haven't found guilty of anything yet, I've been accused, but I haven't found guilty of anything then at least give me the minimum or offer me the minimum, which at that point I had already had, you know, four or five months in jail, back time credit. So my parole was up on a two. I was up at like two months and six days or something. So I was already ready for parole. So I thought, you know, I'll just go down there and make parole real quick because I ain't got no other issues. And then they'll shoot me right back out. But they wouldn't give me that two. They wouldn't give me a three. They wouldn't come off the five. So I was like, well, we'll go in the other room best they can do is reinstate me if I go to the judge. And the worst he can do is give me 10, which I've already got so much back time that I'm almost even up for a pro roll on a 10 because it was a non-aggravated charge. So um, let's segue into going into prison. Okay. How was What was your first night like? Uh, Were you scared? I think you got to get... I think you yeah. cry. Well, I mean... Uh, there, yeah, and there's no crying, but well, I mean, you're used to jail. I, think, <laughs> I would cry. <laughs> okay, I can. I mean, I could see that. I could see people. I could see people being scared for sure. Um, I think that comes a little later, or it did with me at least, on going to an actual unit, okay. because while you're in county, you have you know people that have already been, so they tell you, oh well, you know, if you only got so long, then you're only going to be on a transfer facility because you go down to a unit or you go down to the gurney. Or whatever else, which they call like butt naked gurney, because literally you get there, they you get butt naked, and then they run you through <laughs> these paces and like cattle and 
log you in and then you go to a, uh, basically a building into a, a room or whatnot or a block or whatnot and then you're there until they send you to one of the other smaller facilities that are going to be transfer facilities and the, like I said like if you've been in jail for any amount of time in county you're not really worried about going to another jail you're probably looking for a change of pace I mean I was okay with it like I was like well let's go because it was boring sitting there because I had tried to appeal my case too and I basically got told by my appellate attorney that if I tried to appeal it that I was going to sit in county for at least a year and a half two years before it got in front of the appellate court and I could probably be home by then so do you take the 10 or do you feel it's unjust and try to fight the system and get what you think you should have gotten but you still did more time at the end of it which it's kind of how it is once you're on parole too if you get picked up on another crime you can sit there and you can try and fight that or you can just cop out and you're going to do less time if you cop out and get back on parole out into the world faster than if you go to fight it because of the amount of time it takes to go through the system and like I said probation and parole you're stuck in there you have a no bond so you can't even get out but as far as being scared no um what an issue is a change of pace um now when you go from a transfer I went from a transfer because transfers are just horrible I mean there's no AC so you what, is, go, what, is, what does transfer mean like it's a transfer facility is like a unit it's a it's a prison unit but it's a transfer facility so it's not got the same commissary. It doesn't have the same amenities, if you want to call them that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't you have, have a bidet. Yeah, there's no extra. There's there's no good stuff. Like it's not that units have great stuff, but you can get a fan in the unit. You can get a hot pot to cook stuff with. You can get a radio, which makes a huge difference. Versus none of that at a transfer. But a transfer is basically. For short-time people or people that make parole so that they don't have to go to a big unit so that it's less work for them if they keep you on this little transfer because people with like twos, threes, four, fives, they're usually going to make it before the 24 months that you can be on a transfer for. You're up to two years on transfer. So 23 months usually they're shipping you out if, you're, if you've been there that long. Interesting. So... I went to... So you went to a transfer? I went to a transfer. For Everybody goes through a transfer. Oh, I was okay. in a transfer for six, eight months. Something like that. And then I got transferred to... Well, then I got sent to Beto, which nice. is a big unit. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I got sent to the walls because you have to get reclassified. So what's the walls? So the walls is the, like, I think the oldest prison in Texas. It's down there by Huntsville. Goodness. It's red brick. It's a red brick unit, which, I mean, all these units are, like, known as different stuff. But the old ones are red brick units that are... I mean, they've got more windows. Some of them got more windows. They got the old timey like rollout doors, like in a newer unit or Beto, for example. They've got a like a big panel on the end, like that's down the runway. So like basically, where the guard goes in and they go up there, they've got a big electrical panel and they just hit the pop lock and it just click 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 and all of them click just like an electrical lock. And then on the old units. They got an old chain-driven pulley belt system, whatever. <laughs> that yeah, if you get stuck in it, you get stuck in it. Like <laughs> you, you can push back and you can actually hold it up. But then, if like let's say the guard lets go of the spool that he's spinning, it's gonna come back and hit him. You know, 
So some people try and hold it back or whatnot and wait for the guard to look out, and then they'll let go of it or whatnot, so then it'll spin and try to hit them. There's people that do stupid stuff down there. Did you I mean, do stupid stuff? No. no. I was never on a unit. I was never on a unit like that, but I wouldn't. I mean, you know me. I wouldn't be doing stuff like that anyway. I do know you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely, you know, people don't go to people don't go to jail for not breaking the law or following the rules or anything like that, so I definitely didn't follow all the rules while I was down there, but... Usually, me breaking the rules was for some type of monetary gain. I mean, it's jail. There's a lot of... I mean, it's jail. Well, what did you do in jail? Did you take any classes? Um, did you find did. a religion? Did, um, yeah. Did you... I'm not big on the whole jailhouse religion thing because, like, a lot of those guys, like, it's a scapegoat. Um, certain type of people will do it. Um, gangs, since we're going to get into that, go there for go to church for for church with quotes because it's basically like meetings on what's going you on get to with meet them. other people from other areas right no. or is it just all in your one unit no 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 no. like yeah you're basically it's a unit-wide church service usually. Oh, okay. so like the big units like Beto, you have like a north side and a south side um which is basically one side has people have jobs the other side people don't really have jobs like host squad and stuff like that a lot of more aggravated stuff on that side uh g4 which is basically disciplinary not being able to make if you're g4 like you got to be a certain line class level whatnot to make parole be up for parole um make commissary and then you have guys that are g4 g5 just sag so i mean like there's a lot of different like what was the ho one? Stuff like that. Ho squad. What's the ho squad? Ho squad is basically like nobody has, well, I say nobody has a job on like that side, but that is your job is ho squad. Like the whole, that side of the jail is ho squad. So basically they call out everybody that they want. Everybody goes down to the day room. They call out another batch of people that they want, that they really want, and they take them out. And y'all leave the unit. You go with three or four officers or whatnot, guns on horseback. You're going to either pick vegetables, fruit, whatever, basically manual labor for free. Oh, okay. Yeah, for the day. That, that type of hoe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the hoe squad. Yeah, no, no, no. I thought it was something else. No, it's not not like that. <laughs> well, it's an actual <laughs> hoe. It is an actual hoe rake, like manual labor stuff. Then when you come back in, you get to get naked and the guards search you and everything, make sure you didn't bring whatever it is that they thought you brought back in there. And then, you know. Squat and cough. Squat, cough, pull your nuts up, turn around, spread your cheeks, all that good stuff. You get you get used to the dance. Spread your toes so that you're not, like, holding anything in your toes. What would be what would you I, be holding? I don't know what you would bring Pills, back maybe? in from out there. Like, well, I mean, you're not going to get anything from just going to, like, whole squat. Now, like, the searches are really stupid. There's really no point because I, I I'll tell you this like me myself have gone in has gone into visitation and got hundred dollar bills brought back into the unit to give to a guard that worked at the unit so that I could get K two or real weed or snuff or whatever it is the cigarettes that I wanted type of stuff. So, I mean, the whole getting naked 24-7, like, to go to visitation when you get out of visitation, like, to go in and come out. And then, and that's every every time you get a visit. So, all of that, plus, like, I was on a camp at one point, so I'm outside the unit. No fence. I mean, free to do whatever, but every time I went to the unit, they stripped me going in, they stripped me coming back out. So, that I wouldn't bring anything into the unit, I wouldn't bring anything out to the camp. And then, they had another shack at the camp, so... You might get stripped twice 
going and coming twice, so four times total. So, and this is like at five o'clock in the morning when it's you know ridiculously cold outside or whatever too. So it's like it's not only is it like uncomfortable, but it's just it's pointless. Like who's who's really gonna? I mean, I guess you never know. Yeah. What would you be smuggling out? Like, well. you can move. I mean, drugs and stuff do go back and forth from oh, the camp yeah, okay. in, in, and then from the building out. But once you're outside the fence or whatnot, the tractor drivers are the guys that like people drive down the road and throw out a duffel bag or a backpack or a makeup bag or whatever that's got cell phones or snuff or weed or coke or meth or heroin whatever. or whatever it is you want. And they throw it on the side of the road, dude on the tractor throws it on the tractor, and he drops it off, buries it, sticks it at the hog barn, wherever they want to put it, and then brings it in, you know, a little at a time to the camp or into the building a little at a time. Or, I mean, there's there's definitely units where people in visitation have, the maintenance guys have unnutted the toilet bottoms so that somebody can go in the visitation room, lift up the toilet on the wax seal or whatnot, stick something under there, and then somebody come back in janitor wise grab it and then drop it off for somebody oh my goodness there's yeah i mean there's uh, for all the walls and and strip searches and everything they're not preventing anything because 90 percent of the time the people that are bringing it in are the people that work there it's so not even the ones other, who are getting strip searched yeah it's not even people who are getting strip searched so it's a whole nother i mean like so it's, it's just like the movies pointless. yeah it sounds like it's just like there's the a lot that is there's a lot that is like the movies um what do they get wrong with the movies I think the the whole I think the game mentality since you mentioned that um, is definitely something to touch on because of how it it doesn't actually go in the movies like you don't have to be with anybody I mean a lot of people do get with people because a lot of people you gotta think people are going to jail or prison or whatnot they're going for usually a while most a lot of them are drug offenses I mean drug offenses are, are a huge thing in in Texas for sure with meth being a controlled yeah. substance. Yes. And rampant everywhere. Everywhere. Um, Oklahoma, methamphetamine is a misdemeanor. So you go to jail for a day or two or whatever, and they kick you back out. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and that's why I say is like, Oklahoma is right there, and it is so much different than Texas. So, it's it, Texas is just hard on stuff. I mean, like, they like to make their money. They have the most prisons, obviously, because we have the most space, too. But they have the most prisons. Prisons is a big business in Texas. Yes, it is. So... Once they get you there. But like I said, the people that are in prison most of the time, they don't have a lot of family. They don't have, uh, most of them don't, you know, have savings or, you know, trust funds or anything like that. So getting in a gang would probably be. So getting in the gang benefits them because it's one for all and all for one. So they're going to feed you. You know, they're going to they're gonna take care of you. If you need something, they'll hook you up. If, if you got a hustle and you can draw or something, one of them that does make store will provide you materials and stuff. So then... Basically, it's like they're the kingpin, and they got little drug dealers doing, you know, selling the drugs or drawing or doing whatever it is they do, and then everybody brings back the money, so the group prospers. Hmm. But no, but you there were gangs. In yeah, there. there's tons of gangs. But again, it's not one of those like you have to be in a gang. Um, some gangs don't care if you're out there raping kids. That's I mean, just to be blunt with it, like. Beto has a sex offender program. And when you walk in the front door in the initiation, well, not initiation, but in the, uh, I guess, whatever, conference, whatnot, it starts with an I. It's a big word that I can't remember right now. <laughs> but uh, 
when they basically when they sit when they sit everybody down and they say okay well here you go this is about the unit you know make of it what you want you've heard a lot of stuff people getting thrown off three row you know people getting killed all the time beat with you know locks and socks and stuff it does happen people definitely get stabbed and i mean beat up is an everyday occurrence but like people definitely do get stabbed and and helicoptered care flighted off the units um i saw people get stomped out stabbed stuff like that so i mean it happens but a lot has to do with how you handle yourself in there um if you gamble if you've got a big mouth and you just go looking for trouble and uh how much you want to fight or how good of a fighter you think you are or they think you are because i mean that's that's the name of the game on anything you don't have to be in a gang or anything um people aren't gonna you know fuck with you unless they see a benefit to it and on bigger units like that, yeah, it would probably benefit you or behoove you to get with somebody or just hang out with somebody so that there's not, you know, five guys of a different gang or race or whatnot, you know, running in your cell and beating you up if you make a $100 store because none of them make store. So they're just going to, you know, beat you up, leave you in the cell and take your shit kind of deal. But at the same time, like, if you fight, it's either going to make them leave you alone or it's going to make it a lot worse on you, depending on how it goes. But usually, like I said, if you if you stay in your own lane and you leave the people alone that you don't need to be messing with and you're smart enough to do that. Did you stay in your own lane? Most of the time. Most of the time. I got into a fight in transfer, which is why I got moved to Beto. Um, got into a fight, beat a guy up, got into the same fight with that guy again because he didn't like the way the first one went. And the second fight, he was falling back after I had hit him toward a bunk Rules are not really a thing, but they are if you've got gangs or whatever. Like, fights are supposed to be fought at certain rules. Like, you're not supposed to hit somebody when they're on the ground. Not supposed to kick them, stomp them, none of that. But at the same time, like, the ebb and flow of if you're solo or the other guy's solo or if you're solo and they're a crip or if you're a wood and they're solo, like, all of that plays a part because... You can get jumped at any time. I mean, they can say it, like, which is what happened to me. Like, they said, oh, well, you hit you hit him and he was already down or going down or whatever. Like, if he's not unconscious or he's not on the ground, I didn't fuck up. Like, it's a fight. If if I hit you and you stumble back or whatnot and you start, like, falling back, but you haven't, like, gone to the knees, your hands aren't on the floor, nothing like that, I'm still allowed to hit you. <laughs> so, I hit him. They said I hit him when he was down or whatever. It's me and there's five of them. So... Take out as many as you can, and that's about that. But they ended up rounding us all up. Um, they do checks every night. You have to give them, you know, give them your ID number. They check on you, make sure you're not dead before you go to sleep and when you wake up. So, well, that's very nice. Yeah, man. I mean, it's great. Like they do find dead people. So, there was a guy at Hutchins at the transfer I was at that woke up or didn't wake up. That went to bed. The guys had heart checked him for a game. He got there. Said, oh, I want to be this or I'm this. And they heart checked him, which is basically like multiple people jumping on him at once. Or one person fighting one-on-one. And then somebody else backdoors it after that. And then maybe somebody else backdoors it after that. Or a two-on-one to start with. And then somebody backdoors that. I mean, like I said, there's no real rules. But they just want to make sure that you're going to fight and you're not a bitch or a hoe or whatever it is they want to call you. So, you've got to fight. And this guy fought, but he was in state jail, which is less than 24 months guaranteed he's going home in less than two years i don't know what his charge was or how long he had and he got a heart check and he had his brain swell because they beat the shit out of him and he died on that unit that's really sad over something so petty yeah i mean so it's it's real life like that's what you got to keep in the back of your mind is 
that while prison now is not like it used to be, it's not it's not the '90s. People are killing each other, stabbing each other. A lot of the stuff you see on TV, or that they want to make it out to before, like Orange is the New Black, like that's cakewalk stuff. But that's also the feds. But um, yeah, I mean, like there's not huge riots going on that much. I mean, certain units have it for sure. Certain units you have young people that are like down by the border of course there's like a lot of young units down there um that are 25 and under or so i mean you know kids they always want to fight they got something to prove to somebody they lose a fight somebody else wants to look at them because they think there's something weak about them because they he shouldn't have lost that fight if he loses to him then i should beat him up good a w looks good on my shirt because then somebody else might not fuck with me if i walk around you know beating people up you know but again it's not it's not like that it's not necessary for the most part just you got to go into it knowing that you got to stand up for yourself. You got to get out there. And it's not so much about winning as getting as much in as you can while you can and hoping that people realize that you're not just a pushover. So, but I mean, people do get stabbed. People get hit with locks. People get mad about fights and they want to fight again. And then they get all their homeboys and then they jump you later. So, I mean, then, then you all go down to the office down there or whatever and they say all of you and put you in single cells and the back of the unit which is air conditioned because it's in <laughs> medical so then everybody's in seg over there and you got one measly ass blanket and it's 30 degrees and you're freezing your balls off for three weeks because they're like well we segregated all of y'all and we're just going to ship y'all all off to different units but this this nice little unit that you that was a transfer that's supposed to be you know easy and not a big unit and not have the issues that the big units have which it doesn't and it's closer to home so i mean that's basically was our punishment is I got shipped off. Um, I think a couple of the other guys got G Ford. They lost line classes because they jumped in after the fight. I got rode up for the fight. So I got like commissary and phone and visitation taken away for a little bit, but oh well. You know. You gotta fight. Like that's just the thing is you gotta fight. If somebody calls you out, you gotta fight. If you don't fight, they're just gonna take all your shit. Somebody's going to. And then you got that jacket on. Just like walking around with a chomo jacket. If, if, if they know you're a child molester, you got that jacket. But like I said, at Beto, they told us, you know, hey, we have a chomo section, whatever. Parole is here for those guys. If you fuck with them, we will give you a hate crime, send you to the nearest county jail. That is a hate crime? Yes. They will send you to the nearest county jail, give you a brand new felony as a hate crime because you beat up a child molester, rapist, sexual assault, predator, whatever. And they're for real about that. Oh, there was attorneys, free world attorneys. Pretty sure a whole bunch of them that. that are. Yeah, no, they did. And a lot of them used to get beat up and used to get killed and stuff like that. And, I mean, basically that's how it should be. I mean, it's <laughs> the, the biggest re-offenders are sexual crimes. And those are also the ones that they parole first because they put them back out there because they know that they're going to come back. Should so it. why would they? I, I don't even think that's going to help them. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if we if we start castrating them, we're going to have to cut fingers, hands, toes, tongues, <laughs> noses. I mean, anything that they could think to use. Because you got to think how sick those people oh, are. I, mean, like, I don't want to think about yeah, it. That's like, not. Just, let's get off that topic. Anyway, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. So, did you take any classes? Yes, I took college. Um, yeah? They have. Yeah, I took some college down there, and it shows up TVCC. So, to an unexpecting em- employer, before they run your background check. You just look like you were a hick from the sticks in East Texas like everybody else that I graduated with. <laughs> they went to the community college because they didn't go to the big college. So, yeah, it shows up as TVCC credits. Uh, mine did because of the region that I was in. But there's other units. Um, they have free 
uh, trades, which is great. I tell people like in county jail, like when I was there, you know, visiting again, I told them, you know, hey, if you go down to TDC, sign up for college if you can pay for it because that's another trick to the game. You can go wherever you want to go. So you can go to whatever unit you want to go to because it offers that class. Is like there's multiple units that offer that class. So you can, or there's a unit that offers this class or this class or this class. And if this one's closer to your house versus where you are now, why not? I mean, it helps you out, gets you closer to home, see your people more or whatnot. But they do offer, they offer a lot of things. But again, you got to remember the type of people you're dealing with in prison and the sad fact that most of them are not going to come anywhere near a 127 IQ test score at four o'clock in the morning when they give it to you <laughs> that's in transfer by the way like when you go to or gurney which is a, a transfer facility or whatnot it's intake facility but yeah they, they basically you get there and they do all your butt naked stuff and then you go to your dorm and then they do a bunch of like psycholo- psychology stuff like basically to see where you're at um and then IQ tests and all that so that when they write you cases and stuff, they, they know that you're smart enough to know that you were fucking up when you were fucking up and how badly they discipline you. Or, but what do they um, do with people who weren't smart enough to know that they were fucking up? Um, I'm sure they treat it on a case-by-case basis, but like I said, there's a lot of people that probably go down there that know the racket that score low on that test on purpose just to be like, oh, well, I'm dumb. So... I don't so know they, what's going so on. So it looks good in front of the judge? It's not going to look good in front of anybody. Well, I mean, the judge doesn't matter at that point. You're in prison. But, I mean, like, it doesn't really make sense. It's another one of those things that doesn't really make sense. Why do you need to be IQ scored when you go to prison? Like, certain jobs, I'm sure, it has a lot to do with that. If they're going to let you work in certain places. Um, like ODR. If you're in the officer's dining room. They're probably not going to let a retard that rapes kids in the officer's dining room. So, you know, that that's, well, that's probably a really, really crass way of saying it. But they're not going to let somebody <laughs> that has a, well, it's just a bad word to use. I've got a buddy that has, like, a special people's organization, and retard is, like, very frowned upon. Yes, like, it is. It's like being called a fag, I guess. But anyways, yeah, no, it's it, it, you're not going to let a certain type of person work in certain places. And then, obviously, you don't want, you don't want a dummy for lack of a better term or whatnot, uh, uh, GED graduate from down there um, work in, you know, electrical or plumbing or something where there could be thousands thousands of dollars worth of issues yeah. if they mess up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess you could sort of see why would they take an IQ test, but I don't think it really has anything to do with no. anything. No, because I mean, I mean, No. It's like so easy a caveman can do it. There's a lot of cavemen down there, and you've got a boss with you everywhere you go anyways. Even if you're on a camp and you're outside fences, you still have somebody following you around. You don't have, like, free roam. Like, just come back when, you know, by the, by the time the lights come on, on the street lights, it's not it's not quite like that. But oh, I didn't think it would, would be. No. So what happened when you found out that you were being released? Um, more More stuff, classes. More classes. They, they, they prep you. For the real world, all in quotes, all in quotes. Um, they give you a list of like places, and actually, I don't even think that they do give you a list. I think that there's a list available if you really search for it. That's a lot of the things. It's kind of like prison is kind of like college. You can go to class or not. It's up to you. You can fail or not. It's up to you. Um, you can use your time wisely and actually get trades, college degrees. I mean, there's people down there with doctorates, multiple doctorates. 
that have life sentences and shit. That's the sad part is the people that are there the longest seem to take advantage of the shit because they're there the longest. Well, they don't have anything else to do. Exactly. <laughs> but the people that are there for three or four years or five years or whatever guaranteed that could go get a college totally education that yes. are going to need every shot that they can when they get back out to get a job because you can say that you're felon friendly all day long, but even your felon friendly jobs aren't people friendly jobs. Like, nobody wants to work in a warehouse for $8, $10 an hour for the rest of their life. No. UPS and FedEx, like I said, you know, mentioned to you, they'll hire you, but you can't work front of office. You can't work driving a truck. You can't interact with people. And it doesn't matter what kind of felony it is. Like, but, again, you can go down there and get a trade that's like uh, welding is what I did because I weld in the world already. I've already been welding for a long time. So it was just to move units and it was something to take up my time. I could kill half a day on something that I already knew that I wanted to do or that I enjoyed doing. Um, I took auto body because I, I restore cars. So, like I said, the welding and the painting that was just something to burn up half a day for six months apiece that, you know, a year went by pretty quick when you actually have something that, that feels like a purpose instead of just, like, Beto, sitting around, watching TV in the day room all day. Getting fat? Sit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can work out. You can work out. But you don't again, have to get fat. You don't have, you don't have but to it's, work. But it's all up on your motivation. It's all about your motivation. Um, or you're sitting in the cell listening to the radio all day. I mean, that can happen, too. Or you're sitting in a cell... And you've got a tattoo gun going all day, tattooing somebody or drawing or whatever. I mean, all that's available to you. We went out twice in a year for rec at Beto. And one time we didn't even go out. We got called out. But then they said, oh, no, never mind. It got canceled. So we got stuck in the day room for like two hours. That's like, when you say rec, that means like going outside into fresh air. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just stuck on a wing. And there's 34 cells, two-man cells three rows high so there's 200 people on one wing a day room is probably i don't want to even guess big i want to be as close to realistic as i can 25 by 25 20 by 25 maybe the size of the day room it's not very big yeah not 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 big at all i mean you've got like 20 benches basically that are back to back to back to back that are eight inch, eight foot, eight foot wide. So you got eight feet, eight feet, a little walk away. Phones on one side to the wall, which is right there. So eight, eight, sixteen, two foot for the walkway. Go eighteen, nineteen for the phones. Yeah, maybe twenty five by thirty, maybe. Because you got all those benches, then you got like four regular stainless steel tables with the four seats made to them, anchored to the floor, and then you got one sweet shitter in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that is wide open to everybody, and if you're stuck in the day room, you're stuck in the day room. So you're hollering out to the SSI, the guy that's doing the janitor stuff or whatever, or your Sully, if he's close by, hey man, throw down the shit paper and my flip-flops so that you can put your flip-flops on the toilet so your butt doesn't touch the toilet because you don't want to touch that toilet. No <laughs> part of your body wants to touch that toilet. Like, so I think 200 men. Are 200 using... men have been pissing on that thing for who knows how long oh and goodness. who knows who's cleaned it when and how they cleaned it or anything else. So, yeah. Yeah, like, you're sitting on your shower slides. Like, you got your regular shoes on. And you sit on your shower slides so that you can shit on... If, if you get stuck <laughs> in the day room. Don't get stuck in the day room. That's the moral of the story. Don't ever get stuck in the day room. Good to know. Whenever... Not win. Yeah, I'm not I was going to say, like... Yeah, let me rephrase that. Yeah, don't... It's never going to happen. Visit. It's not fun. But, I mean, we'll remember that for whenever I have to use a public bathroom. It's yeah, too. it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, it is. Like, you almost want to... I, I haven't mastered the hover yet. 
<laughs> but uh, you almost want to take your it's shoes off. It's a lot of legwork, just yeah. to let you know. A lot of legwork. <laughs> as a woman. Thighs for days. Yes, as a woman, I'm just letting you know it's a lot of legwork. You get the squat game up. And uh, holding on to the sides, if, if you dare to hold on if to the you, sides. Yeah, if you want to elbow something. No. <laughs> Awkward. So you, and the, other than the welding and the painting, did you take any other classes? I didn't. No? That was all the colleges I took. Okay. I took I took vocational trade colleges because it's college credit hours that, as we all know, I didn't complete a bunch of college. I went and played some golf and drank a lot underage and, you know, all the good stuff that college is about. <laughs> And that's that was it. So, so now that you're out, are you going to take any classes? Or are you going to No. No. I mean, I'm in the position I we uh me and the girl that I'm with, we own a house together. It's got a shop. So, I have everything. I got a 30 by 40 shop. Like my shop is bigger than the day room. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have plenty of space to redo my cars. I've got like we are on like 2 thirds of an acre. So we've got tons of place uh, for cars and all the rest of that. Like, I'm set up. But like I said, like a lot of people that go down there, they're hustling or whatever it is they claim to be on the outside. So they don't have much opportunity when they do get out. Um, but, I mean, yeah, everybody should take advantage of everything that they can while they're down there. Because, I mean, like you said, it, really, you don't have anything better to do. I mean, there's not anything better to do. Would that be your advice to I mean, yeah, the I, ones going in? That's why I say to anybody, anybody's going to, to prison and you know you're going to go to prison, get some type of education. I mean, they make you go to GED class if you don't have a diploma, which is great. I think it is. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys will get G4. I know guys with two-year sentences that get, that, that get in the fights or do whatever it is they can to get G4 so they can't make parole so that they don't have to go. Because they won't take you to education if you're G4, like, on certain units. So, I mean, they do that specifically so they don't have to go to school because I don't want to have to get up in the morning and go to school. I don't like people telling me what to do. I want to get out and go live on some girl's couch. You know, like... Maybe that's the reason why they're in there. And that's a lot of it is just a lot of unmotivated, uneducated people that just don't want to be anything except in jail. That's why it's recidivism high, I think. One of the biggest reasons. I don't think it's... I think that, I th well, I mean, I know, I know that we're fucked once we get out because every time you get pulled over, you get hit up for that. Oh, well, he's a felon or, oh, well, he's, he's on parole. Like you get looked at a different way as soon as that cop runs your name and, and finds out that, I mean, it's just like if you were, if you got a misdemeanor possession charge, you have no right to deny them search of your vehicle. They automatically go, oh, there's a drug charge. Here we go. Can I search your car? You have to say yes. You right? have to. No, well, I mean, you can say no, but they're going to arrest you <laughs> or detain you, search your car anyways. I mean, well, you, so you say yes. It's not like... Yeah, no, I mean, it is. Like, you don't have a choice. I mean, you do have a choice, but they're going to put you in handcuffs if you tell them no. All right. So, as we're finishing up, I've noticed that you have a piece of jewelry, a new piece of jewelry. You want to talk about that? New piece of jewelry. Oh, yes. I have a monitor, <laughs> a curfew monitor. So they give out curfew monitors and GPS monitors. GPS is usually for those guys that like raping people or kids or aggravated assaults a lot of times get them. Um, people that break into houses that have aggravated burglary charges and stuff. Interesting. Um, because they want to know where those people are at 24-7 well, of course. 24 7 of course. for a set amount of time. Um, mine's curfew, so I have to be at my house. Um, it's like house arrest, basically, but it's just certain times. Um, 
because it was a condition of me getting back out because of the DWI. I didn't go to ISF, which is an intermediate sanctioning facility. Um, they could they basically like on a parole revocation, like I'm there on a parole hold or whatnot, which is a blue warrant, um, no bond. So they can send you to ISF, which is like if you didn't do anything to really screw up too bad, basically it's not a felony or state jail felonies even they'll do. Um, if you catch a new felony where it's got TDC time, F231, then you're probably going back TDC. Um, unless they somehow give you probation, which then they'll probation and parole at the same time, even with misdemeanors. But um, ISF basically is for state jail felonies. If you get a state jail felony charge or a misdemeanor, um, they say that you weren't doing what you're supposed to do while on parole, and they're not okay with the amount of time that you sat in county. They want you to do more. Or you haven't even done any time in county, and they just want to make you do that because the 30 days for a DWI is not going to be enough for them or whatever. They can send you to ISF, which is basically 60 days of TDC. You go down there, you do a program or whatnot that they call it, and that's that. And then you're back out on parole again. But ankle monitors are given out to a lot of people for stuff like that. But how long do you have to wear it? I have mine for 90 days because I'm self-employed. It's worse than you think. Okay, well, I understand that it's... But 90 <laughs> but, days is 90 days. Like, but but here's another thing. If I were to go be a bum at McDonald's and make seven twenty five an hour flipping fries, I could possibly get off in 60 days because I have a verified job. But, like, 60 days and 90 days, it's only like, it's only a month difference. That's 33%, though. That's just a month. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a, just a month that's difference. A, I mean, actually, it's a 50%. It's 33 over the, the length of it, but that's 50% more time. Like, I mean, or not 50, it's 33. But like I said, 60 versus 90 days is a big gap. That's an extra month that I have to stay at my house, which they don't even have me at the right house because I'm not at my house. I'm at my grandma's house because that's where they paroled me to. So that was a known good address for them. So that's what they did is they sent me here. So now I'm having to go get my address changed to my house, which is where everything I own is at. So like I said, it's, it's just a pain because, like I told you, when I got the monitor or whatnot, it's 8 to 2. I was out 8 in the morning till 2 p.m. And that's supposed to be to go find a job. I already told her that I'm obviously not going to find a job. I'm self-employed. I got my own stuff. But I have to drive from the colony to Oak Point every day and back. And be in, in between that time. And then this time she extended it to 3 o'clock. So, but I still have to be back by that time. And I mean, it sucks. But that is what it is. It's only 90 days. Right. I see only 90 days. Right. You see, oh my goodness, it's 90 days. Okay. I can give you a prime example though. <laughs> Let's say if I put this on you. You have college. You have places to go and stuff like that. Like people to see, work, whatever. But you have 8 to 2. If your car breaks down, you're screwed. If you're not driving your car and you're catching a bus downtown, and you miss the bus, class runs late, whatever, you're screwed. Because if you're not there on that time, bing, 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 at the house, and then she can set out a warrant, and then the next time you go in to report and be like, hey, I missed the bus on this day, blah, 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 I don't give a shit, here, hook her up. And bam, right back in jail you go. And then they can just reverse the cycle over and over. They can be like, well, you sat in jail for 30 days. Or let's send her to ISF because she's not listening and, and I don't buy her. I missed the bus story. So you go to ISF for 60 days and then guess what they're going to do? We're going to give her the monitor again when she gets out as a term of her parole when she gets out of ISF. So now you've 
done 60 or 90 days more in county, making them more money. And your parole fees and stuff, that doesn't stop. Like, you still owe them even though you were locked up, even though you weren't working. And then okay, they I do get, it over and point. over again. I get And then if you point. mess up in the next 90 but days. stop putting me in no, a place because I am not going to They prison. can extend it out. I'm just saying, like, they can extend it out if you have, like, curfew, breaking curfew, and they didn't want to give you a, a warrant or whatnot. Um, but they, they can extend it out after that 90 days even. So, I mean, like, basically it's it's up to them. So it's it's not so bad if everything goes according to plan. Sure. Okay, I got your point. But they're kind of in control, and they don't really <laughs> like going by plan. Even even if you do go by plan, sometimes they just want to nitpick about stuff. So. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Okay. Thank you, Jeff, for talking to me about your inside life. No problem. Jeff talked about taking advantage of the time you do have on the inside. I found a guy who did just that. Many should know Danny Trejo, who starred in Machete. An East L.A. drug dealer and, and thief spent time in and out of prison throughout the 60s. He joined a drug rehabilitation program and succeeded. During his time in counseling, he met contacts that led him to his acting career. Not only does he act on film and TV, he has made cameo appearances and music videos and voiceovers and video games. If that wasn't enough, he has opened a few successful restaurants in the L.A. area. I believe this shows that it isn't always downhill after prison. Well, that's all I have for today. Join me next time to see who will be in my bubble. I'd like to say thank you to Jeff for sharing his story. This is your host, Lacey. Don't pop all your bubbles at once.